Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And good afternoon. Here we go once again with Calvary Live. Jason Vanderveer with you this afternoon. Really looking forward to the next hour. We had such a great time yesterday. Uh, really enjoyed those calls and uh, I'm equally excited about today and all of you out there getting ready to join us uh, on the program here with your questions uh, about the Bible, 303-690-3000. That is the number if you want to call. Just punch that into your phone or uh, put it in your contacts uh, for later on if you can't call us right now. But 303-690-3000. And if you prefer to text, jot this number down as well, 720 970-336-0897. That's the text number. Give me a short one-sentence uh, text uh, of your question or your prayer request, and we'll do our best to answer as many of those as possible, uh, some on the air as well as we have time, and, and uh, we'll uh, slip those in there as well. I'm Jason Vanderveer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, and you can find out about us at Calvary Chapel Parker. CalvaryChapelParker.com. Welcome to all of you uh, listening on Grace FM, near to my home here, all up and down the Front Range, Colorado and Wyoming. And uh, welcome to all our Hope FM listeners in Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and of course on Truth FM, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Welcome to all of you, uh, of course, listening uh, on a one-week delay, So, uh, but you're still able to call in and talk to us live uh, that is listening in uh, in in the south and in the northeast on a one week delay. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Though is the number for all of you uh, to call if you want to get uh, see some of the uh, uh, archives of Calvary Live. You can uh, go to the iTunes Store. The Calvary Live podcast uh, is there in the iTunes Store. You can select the original show date and uh, listen if you want to re-listen to a question uh, or you missed a show or something like that. But if you want to join me live on the air, 303-690-3000. And let's go to Sarah in Boulder, beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining me. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's, go it's, it's going good. What's on your mind? All right, so I wanted to call and say thank you, and I wanted to get to a prayer request for my husband, who's spending time in Larimer County Jail. Okay. He actually listens to the program. He found Christ while in jail. Excellent. And um, as I like to call it, I feel like he's really pulling it out right now. Mm -hmm. um, I love to get his letters from him and to see how the Lord is really working through him in jail right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it would really uplift his spirits to know that he's being prayed for and that there is support from his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ out here. Mm -hmm. And that God does have a plan and a purpose for him where he's at. And I do know that he listens to, to your program daily based on the letters that I receive from him. So his Excellent. name is Rick, and I would really like to send a prayer request out for him. And any other Christian that could send a prayer for him to stay strong 
I know that the Lord loves him and had to plan for him, uh, as he did for Apostle Paul and all of us out here. That's that's great to hear. So so Rick was in now was he listening to the radio or did somebody share the gospel with him there? What 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 happened? I don't I, I don't know if in Larimer County Jail they allow them to listen to Grace FM or something, but in the last letter I got from him at the jail, uh, he mentioned something about Grace FM and, um, or, or maybe he just wrote Grace on there, and I listen to you guys all the time, and maybe I was just led to send out a prayer request for him. Uh-huh. And, um, and and he's preaching the gospel, and I'm telling you, the things that he is writing to me, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in my Bible every single day, and it is humbling that somebody who doesn't have uh, a tenth of the resources sure. um, that, that we have out here um, to be able to experience how the Holy Spirit and witness how the Holy Spirit is really speaking through him, somebody who is in jail, and how the correlations that he's making with Scripture in his life, how he's actually walking and living the Word, um, is, is really just so incredible and so inspiring. And um, I think that um, there's a lot of men and women in, in, in his position right now, and we are to be disciples of Christ and to spread the gospel no matter where we are, whether we're in a car, whether we're in a prison, whether we're, um, you know, we're in a school, wherever we're at, um, we, are, we are called to be disciples of Christ. And I realize that lately. I keep asking Jesus, what, what's my calling? You know, what, what, are my, what is my purpose? And my purpose is to be a disciple of Christ, and I take so much pride in that. And well, it just, I don't know, something came on my heart. It's the Holy Spirit, I believe, to call, and I pray that He's listening. Um, even if he's not, these prayer warriors out here are incredible. I know what um, prayer warriors have done in my life, and uh, I love this program. I love this program so much, and I love the way the Lord speaks through pastors and ministers, and it feels like sometimes you guys are just talking straight to my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pray. Let's do this, sir. I really appreciate you calling and sharing. Let's pray for Rick right now. Father, we uh, we just lift up uh, Rick to you. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that... that that he was able to go there despite the difficulty uh, of, of going to jail and the circumstances surrounding it. I thank you that he was able to go there because of what you've done spiritually in his life. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to work, that you'd continue to speak to him powerfully, that you'd continue to pour out your spirit upon him, that he would see new and fresh things uh, in your word, that you would use him powerfully, Lord, to minister to other people there, that that many others, uh, whether they're employees there or, or whether they're also there like him, Lord, that you would uh, that you would save them, and uh, Lord, we just thank you that what you can do, uh, whether it's radio waves going uh, into a prison, whether it's a, a chaplain or a pastor or or an employee or somebody else going in there and sharing the gospel, uh, Lord, we just thank you that people are coming to you. We thank you that Rick, that you've drawn him to yourself. I pray that you keep him strong, Lord. I I pray that it, that in time, in the right time, uh, when he is able to to leave. Uh, Lord, that you would keep him strong and faithful on the outside as well, and that you would use him mightily for your glory. I thank you for Sarah, for uh, her obvious heart uh, for you, and for calling and asking for prayer. Lord, we thank you uh, that you do answer prayer, and that oftentimes you're simply just waiting for us, uh, Lord, to to lift these things up. And so we lift up Rick, we lift up Sarah, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, listen, Thank you I so appreciate much, brother. I yeah. really appreciate that. You God bet. Thanks for you. calling, Sarah. Take care. Folks, 303-690-3000. Jason Vanderveer with you on Calvary Live. Let's go to Ricardo in Denver. Ricardo, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing really well. 
Thanks. I just wanted to see if you guys can do a prayer request for my cousin, Luis mm. Torres. He's in intensive care right now for uh, the last more than 10 days. Mm. And, and there's some, uh, I don't know if the doctors believe in God or not, but I do. We believe in God. And, the you know, the percentage that they gave us. It's so low, but, you know, we hope for, we have the faith that that he's going to survive. You know, that. so I wanted to ask you guys for prayer requests, because mm. we, the whole family needs it right now. What, and you just said his name, but you got cut off, at least in my ears. Say his name again. Luis Torres. Luis Torres. I heard Torres. I didn't hear the first name. So we're going to pray for Luis. We're going to pray for your whole family. Uh, Ricardo's, Ricardo, is is Luis a, a believer, or, or what, what do you know about uh, his faith? Uh, I don't know if he's a believer. Okay. Let's pray. We can pray. We can pray for that as well, Father. I just uh, I thank you for Ricardo, uh, Lord. I just pray that you would be with him and uh, that you'd be with his family. And I pray for his cousin Luis, uh, Lord. You you know where he is. Uh, you can go right to him, Lord. In that in that uh, in that unit in that bed, uh, whatever hospital he may be in. And Lord, I just pray that you would, you would minister to him now, Lord. I pray that that uh, if he doesn't know you, that you'd save him. Lord, that you'd reach him right where he's at right now and that you'd draw him to yourself. And uh, Lord, if he does, you'd strengthen him. Uh, Lord, we pray if you're willing that you would heal and that you would just touch and you would work in his life. Lord, we know that that odds and percentages uh, don't matter to you. Lord, Either you're going to do what you know is best. And so we pray that you would. And, 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 and Lord, we just ask you uh, to do what is best. And we pray, uh, Lord, if possible, for healing. Uh, if you're willing, and, and, and we know so often you are. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd work in Luis's life, work in his body. Lord, I pray that you'd work in his family, his, his, uh, whether it's his parents or a spouse or children or brothers, sisters, cousins. Uh, Lord, I just pray uh, that you'd work. And I pray for Ricardo especially and, 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 and that you would just touch him and that you would encourage him. Lord, that you would be with him even in this moment, that you would just lift his head and strengthen him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you I appreciate Yeah, I thank pray. you. For, I need yeah. it so bad. Well, and, and you, I just appreciate you calling and giving us an opportunity to, to pray with you. Thank you very much. God bless, God bless you. Give us a call. Uh, let us know how things are going. Yes, I will, brother. Thank you. Okay. God bless you, Ricardo. Thank you. 303-690-3000 if you want to join me. Jason Vandiver here on Calvary Live. Let's go to Bud. Fort Collins, Colorado, Bud, uh, welcome. Thanks, sir, for taking my call. Absolutely. What what uh, what what causes you to to call us today? What's on your mind? I have a brother in Texas that's in prison down there, and he has uh, got uh, cancer. He's been diagnosed with cancer, and it's mm. it's this it's not a good thing for him. Mm. Uh, I pray for him. I go down to see him. Every time I see him, he says, why has God done this to me? He says, he's put me through so much. Mm-hmm. And I says, I don't know, brother. It's, it's God's will. That's all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. What um, What do you think, uh, I, I, you know, where do you think he's at? You, you obviously have had some spiritual conversations with him. Is he a believer? Is he saved? Oh, yeah, he's a believer. He's saved. Uh He's in his Bible every day. Awesome. 
but just the, like uh, like a lot of us, you know, you know, you those things happen, and and it still makes you question. It makes you struggle. It does. And yeah. I have an uncle that's in Nebraska. He's just been diagnosed with lung and liver cancer, uh, stage four. Hmm. I'd like some prayer for him too. He's not a believer. I pray that. Lord would lay his hand upon him and open his eyes mm-hmm. so that he can put his struggles in the hands of the Lord. But what's your brother's name and what's your uncle's first name? My brother's David and my uncle is Ron. Let's pray for uh, for David and Ron right now. Father, uh, I, I lift up Bud to you. I thank you uh, for uh, his faith. Uh, for his relationship with you. I thank you that, that um, you're using him in the life of his family members so oftentimes, Lord. Um, people, especially when family members are hurting, they tend to withdraw, and I thank you that, that he's not doing that. I pray that you'd continue to use him to encourage. Uh, Lord, I pray for David. I, I, I pray, uh, Lord, uh, uh, if you're willing, that you would heal him of this cancer, uh, Lord. But uh, even beyond that, whether he's to be healed or, or whether he's ultimately to... Uh, as we all will be eventually with you, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd comfort his heart. Lord, I, I pray for, for an assurance uh, that, that though these things are happening to him, that, that you love him, Lord, and that you're in control and, and that you know what is best. And so uh, just encourage and, and, and strengthen uh, David and, and give uh, uh, Bud the words, uh, Lord, uh, those words that you want him to have to share uh, when he shares with these men. And I do lift up Ron to you. I pray that he'd be saved, Lord, above all else that he'd be saved, Lord, that you would, uh, like the Apostle Paul, that you, uh, that, that you would just meet him and uh, that you would cause him to, to be on his knees before you, and that you would cause the scales to fall from his eyes, and for him to see you and to understand and to know you, and to be saved and to reach out to you. And Lord, uh, if you're willing that you would heal him of this cancer as well that is, uh, that is in several parts of his body now, Lord, I, I pray that you would just bless him with the best care, uh, that, that you would encourage his heart uh, from the darkness that can often come from this disease, uh, Lord, and that, uh, that you would save him and that you would heal him, Lord, if, if that's what you desire to do. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks much for your time and for your concern with my family. I well, appreciate everything you do. Well, and and thank you. Uh, as I mentioned, thank you for the for the opportunity. And you know, we have so many people out there listening right now that as we uh, as we pray, um, that they're praying as well. And so, you know, we want to thank all of them also that uh, that are praying right along with us uh, for you uh, and for your family and for for David and for Ron especially. Well, thank you much for your time. God bless God you, God bless you and your program. Yeah, take care, my friend, and uh, let us know. Uh, let us know, uh, you know, give us some updates if you have time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Folks, you're listening to Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you. I've got all lines open if you want to join me on the program here. 303-690-3000. We're just getting started. Another 45 minutes or so we're going to be with you here. And again, 303 690 3000 that is the number to call if you want to join me on the air with your question about the uh, the Bible about Christianity and if you'd prefer to text your question you can do that as well 720 336 
0897. That's the text number, 720-336-0897. Short one-sentence text or prayer request of your question. Uh, that way I can kind of digest it while I'm the air here and answer as many of those as possible as well. But like I said, I've got all lines open. Now is the time. If you wanted to be on this program uh, and you don't want to have to wait, sometimes later on in the program it can back up a little bit. Now's a great time to pick up the phone and dial. And I would just encourage you uh, not to uh, be nervous about that. People a lot of times tell me, well, I was wanting to call, but I was a little bit nervous. Uh, I have a feeling that that, that will subside uh, once we uh, get you on the air here with your question, we'll do our best to make you as comfortable as possible. And uh, I love that. That's my favorite part about this program is just the, the questions uh, that you have and, and the things that uh, that we get to talk about. Uh, yesterday, we were talking a little bit about uh, with one of the callers, and I didn't have an opportunity because there were so many calls and, and everything uh, to talk about it a little bit. But uh, uh, we were talking about the Temple Mounts and uh, – uh, the research that is is, is done uh, has been done uh, in the last uh, decade or so, in particular, uh, on the Temple Mount area. There, we were talking about the 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 expansions of the Temple Mount and the possible position uh, of the Temple uh, on the Temple Mount, past and future, by the way. Uh, and and it was a fascinating conversation. If you have a chance, uh, you can go to biblicalarchaeology.org. Uh, uh, biblicalarchaeology.org and they have some great articles there you'll need to have a membership to access those articles but I highly recommend a Biblical Archaeology Review the magazine uh, and then their whole library as well as their ebooks and all of the other books that they publish uh, there's a lot of great resources there Lean Rittmeyer L-E-E-N-R-I-T-M-E-Y-E-R has published several things there and on his own he's a, a leading uh, archaeologist from an architect standpoint, so anything to do with walls, gates, the Temple Mount, and so forth, uh, he tends to be an expert. And uh, he's done a lot of research uh, regarding the Temple Mount at the time of Solomon, uh, the Temple Mount expansion in the Hasmonean period, which is just after the period of the Maccabees. It's the so-called silent period between Malachi and Matthew, the the, that, that period in there, or part of that period. And then uh, also the expansion, of course, that most of us are familiar, most familiar with, which is under Herod the Great. Um, it's fascinating when you, you go to, the, uh, well, to Israel today, if you stand in the Kidron Valley, you can see uh, all three from the eastern side expansions of the Temple Mount because there are different stones that are used. And in between the Hasmonean and Herod's expansion is what's called the Straight Joint, which is near the, uh, the southeastern corner of the Temple Mount. And you can very, very clearly see that extension. And so uh, he's done some research calculating uh, the these three expansions of the Temple Mount, looking at uh, what has been done uh, beneath the Temple Mount. Of course, uh, that's very difficult today to do because the area is controlled by the uh, by uh, the Muslim Waqf, and so they don't really allow much access below the Temple Mount. But there was a lot of excavation done uh, by Warren and Wilson uh, in the 1800s. Uh, and so utilizing their drawings, their research, uh, fascinating, fascinating look, as well as uh, a, a look at the Dome of the Rock itself. And, and so Rittmeyer actually has a theory um, I'm not so sure while I agree with the his shape of the or different iterations of the Temple Mount, which is fascinating. Uh, I'm not sure uh, 
his research is definitive on the placement of the temple. He places the Holy of Holies actually right over the Dome of the Rock because there's archaeological evidence, believe it or not, right on the Dome of the Rock itself, which is, uh, which is fascinating. And he has, uh, if you look at the Dome of the Rock, some photos, you can do this just by Googling it right now. You can see where perhaps uh, there is area carved out where the walls of the temple actually were laid into the Dome of the Rock and it was leveled. And then also there's a rectangular area in the center of, of what would be, if that was the temple, the back of the temple, uh, a rectangular area that is the of the biblical carved out in the, uh, in the Dome of the Rock that is uh, of the biblical dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. And he suggests perhaps that was in the Holy of Holies, the resting place uh, of the Ark of the Covenant on the found, what is known as the foundation stone. So a very interesting research. If you're interested in that at all, like I said, we were talking about it yesterday, and then I didn't have a whole lot of opportunity uh, to talk about it more. Uh, but if you're interested in that, we can talk about that. We can talk about uh, anything you're interested in, the, tr uh, the tribulation, the rapture of the church, uh, whatever you want to talk about, Old Testament, New Testament. Got all our lines available, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 if you want to join me on the air. I'm Jason Vanderbeer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. And as I uh, mentioned before, uh, you can get more information about our church, uh, Calvary Chapel Parker. Com. That's CalvaryChapelParker.com. Next opportunity you have to join us is Sunday morning. Uh, you can go online, CalvaryChapelParker.com, get directions, uh, service time information, and you can join us Sunday morning at Calvary Chapel Parker. And uh, we're going to be continuing in the book of Judges. It's been awesome just on Sunday mornings going through the book of Judges. It's a fascinating, fascinating book. I... I like to tell people if it is unusual, if it's strange uh, in the Bible, that is, it's probably in the book of Judges. Nine times out of ten, it's in, it's coming from the book of Judges, and there is some fascinating material there, but tremendous application for us. We'll be getting into uh, Judge Jephthah, uh, a, a man named Jephthah, and, and uh, his story and his vow uh, is uh, is is. Uh, fascinating to say the least. So we're looking forward to that, getting into the Word of God, worshiping with you, children's ministry, uh, youth ministry, uh, young adults ministry, empty nesters, uh, ladies, uh, all of that happening at Calvary Chapel Parker, and you can take advantage of our prayer meeting on Tuesdays. Uh, a lot happening throughout the week at Calvary Chapel Parker, and we encourage you. If you're in the area, Take advantage of that. Come on out and uh, worship with us and say hello. Introduce yourself. We'd love to to meet you uh, either Sunday or Wednesday when we're getting together and getting into the Word of God or any other time. Uh, 303-690-3000 is the number to call if you want to join me. Let's go to Gerald in Parker, right uh, close uh, here to myself. Gerald, welcome. Hi, Jason. Hey, I uh, want to let you know I enjoy your show and I I surely love to listen to it when I get a chance driving home from work, and today was a good day for that. So well, hope, yeah, for hopefully, my call. hopefully we make that ride a little more pleasant, a little shorter. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Um, well, uh, the question that I had, especially after listening for the last couple of, uh, well, yesterday afternoon, I've always wondered, and it's silly, I should look it up or try and figure it out, but... Um, 
the tribulation period being, you know, the seven years, um, and then the rapture, uh, presuming a, a pre-rapture of the church. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really worry about that personally, because, uh, you know, I feel a good relationship with God, and uh, I worry about it for my you know, families that aren't, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But um, is there something in the Bible that, gives a, a, that says at the tribulation starts the seven years? Or could there be a gap there uh, for us who, you know, wouldn't know anything about, you know, a rise of an Antichrist? We wouldn't really see who that is that would come about after, uh, somewhat after the tribulation, or after the uh, rapture? Yeah, so so if I understand your question, let me, let me restate it, and you tell me if I've got it right, so I make sure I'm not answering something that you're not asking about. Um, you're wondering if, so assuming a pre-tribulational rapture, you're, are you wondering if there's some sort of gap at, um, between the rapture and the beginning of the Great Tribulation period? Is that is that your question? It is, because I haven't okay. studied that much, and sure. uh, I just, I was curious. Yeah, no, and and and... I would say the answer to your question is yes and no, um, and and uh, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. I think that uh, the reason that you're answering the question uh, is um, is going to be you know you're going to be happy with the answer um, while uh, in, in a different for a different reason. And let me explain okay. to you what I mean. So in, in, first of all the. We believe in, in, in a rapture prior to the Great Tribulation period. I say we, myself, um, probably most of the pastors, uh, well, certainly all of the pastors that you're going to hear on Grace FM and Calvary Chapel pastors, we, we believe that. It, it, not all Christians believe that, nor do I believe that all Christians have to believe that. I just believe that it, it, it is the best understanding of, uh, of the rapture in conjunction with everything else. So in other words, we believe that, that the rapture is going to take place, and, and then there's going to be a literal seven-year period of tribulation. Here's the part that I think that, that uh, for you uh, might, might be something that appeals to you, and, and that is that the first three and a half years of the tribulation aren't what we typically associate with the tribulation. In other words, the 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 the, the true um, wrath, shall we say that that uh, as it's described in Revelation six and elsewhere, six seventeen and elsewhere, the true wrath and and the judgments uh, of the book of Revelation aren't until the last three and a half years of the seven year period. So while there's no gap uh, between the rapture of the church and the great tribulation period, there is a gap between the rapture and the beginning of the actual judgments of the great tribulation period. Um, but we know that that really the there is no gap between the whole seven year period because in Second Thessalonians two seven, uh, we see that that the 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 tribulation begins and the antichrist is is revealed because the church is taken out of the way and in 2 7 of second thessalonians it says that that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way in other words the tribulation is not that period's not unleashed because the church and the Holy Spirit working through the church stands in the way of that. And when the church is removed, then that period of time begins. Thank you. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I guess uh, what I was looking for is it seems like a lot of folks uh, uh, spend a lot of time worrying about that and less time walking with the Lord. And yeah. so when, when we bring this up and, uh, and I think about it, 
I didn't know if there was something biblical in there that uh, uh, that I could point to, and, and um, Thessalonians uh, gives me that answer. So I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, yeah, I would encourage you, and I've only got a few seconds left here, so I apologize for stepping over your words there. But um, 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5, 2 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2, very interesting as it relates to the rapture and the timing of the rapture. Ah, uh, Perfect. Thank you very much. You betcha. God bless you, Gerald. Hey, folks, you just got a few seconds left. You can hear the music there. Jason Vanderveer with you on Calvary Live. I'll be right back after a short break. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. 303-690-3000. Now is a great time to call as we've uh, got our break coming up. We'll get some calls lined up for after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back to Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you this afternoon. 303-690-3000. If you want to join me, let's go to Dalton, Fort Collins, Colorado. Dalton, welcome to the program. Hey, Dalton. Um, I had a question about the tribulation period. Um, just yep. from the last caller, it's always something I've wondered. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, obviously, most Christians believe there's a, a, the rapture before the tribulation. Um, I still am not sure where I stand on that mm-hmm. totally, but I've always wondered whether or not people can still be saved and accept Christ during the uh, tribulation period, because I always kind of uh, envisioned it as uh, a time that people could deny the mark of the beast and kind of live through it, essentially mm-hmm. still trying to save people and or, or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was just curious about that. Yeah, no, I would say this, Dalton, not only can people be saved during the Great Tribulation, but people will be saved during the Great Tribulation. Um, Revelation chapter 7 is is one place you can go. Um, we see many, first of all, that chapter begins with 144,000 Jews who are sealed out of the Tribulation. Now, that's not all the Jews that are saved in the Tribulation. That is just a certain segment from the 12 tribes uh, that are saved and sealed out of the Tribulation. Then beginning in verse 9 of chapter 7, it talks talks about a multitude, a great multitude from every nation uh, who are saved out of the Great Tribulation. And so um, what we see in, in, in the book of Revelation is, is that there are many, many people uh, who are saved, not the majority, but still many, many people who are saved, both Jews and Gentiles who are saved during the Great Tribulation period. Some are martyred, uh, but some actually survive Uh, the Great Tribulation period, and hence we have a judgment in Matthew 24 when Jesus Christ returns at the end of the Great Tribulation period, what we would refer to as the Second Coming, uh, where he returns, and the judgment of the sheep and the goats, where he is judging the survivors of the Great Tribulation period, the sheep, of course, being believers who survive uh, that period, and those are the ones who inhabit the earth during the millennial reign of Christ. So uh, Revelation 7 uh, and elsewhere, but, but I would point you, uh, first of all, uh, to Revelation chapter 7. Just uh, take a reading of that chapter, and uh, you'll begin to see uh, those saved out of the Great Tribulation period. 
Okay. Well, and then so then that brings up another question. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does the pre-tribulational rapture fit into that as well? Uh, um, just out of curiosity. So, so um, give me a little bit more information. I'm not sure I totally understand. So, so what about uh, what what about so that? Are you trying like to connect? Pre-tribu uh, the pre-tribu pre-trib um, rapture mm-hmm. are all the people that have already accepted Christ. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so these people that Jews and Gentiles that are saved uh, during the tribulation po- period mm-hmm. um, wouldn't they have to still accept Christ in that? Yeah, so, so is there a possibility that people um, uh, would would come to Christ eventually or something? I don't, yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I think I understand the disconnect. So, so the rapture, uh, it's helpful. Let me let me put it this way and see if and see if this makes sense to you or if this kind of clears it up. So, throughout history, it's always man's always been saved by receiving Jesus Christ, um, mm-hmm. receiving the Messiah. Uh, they didn't know him, obviously, as Jesus Christ in the time of Jacob, but Jacob prophesied of the Messiah. Daniel prophesied uh, of the Messiah. Joseph prophesied. You know, uh, so they were always looking ahead, as Hebrews chapter 11 points out, by faith they were looking ahead to the Messiah. So, so man has always been saved in relationship to the cross, looking forward, looking to the cross, or as we do, looking back upon the cross. Now, obviously, Old Testament saints weren't part of the church, but they were saved by grace through faith. We are part of the church, and the rapture uh, is associated with the church, and the church age ends at the rapture of the church in the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Then you have what are known as tribulation saints. They're not part of the church, just as Old Testament saints weren't part of the church, but they, they're saved by faith in the Messiah and saved by placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So it helps to understand believers as you know what, what they're actually a, a, a part of. And during the tribulation period, absolutely, they're going to be saved by, they're going to need to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And in fact, they do. Uh, We see these, uh, particularly amongst those who are martyred during the Great Tribulation, worshiping uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping the Lamb, Revelation 7.10, who sits on the throne. And they say that salvation uh, belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Does that make a little more sense to you? Do we have you? Did I lose you? I might have. Uh, I might have lost uh, Dalton there, but. Uh, does that make a little more sense to you? There you are. Uh, yes, yes, it does. Okay. I think you lost Dalton there, but make a little more sense. I think if you can turn your radio down too, we've got a little bit of a delay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm going through a dead zone, but that does, if you could hear me, that does clear things up a lot. Um, oh. uh, okay. That makes a lot more sense in my head. So um, thank you for your uh, time and everything. And um, like I said, I don't know if you can hear me, but appreciate I can, it. I can hear you, Dalton. And, and I would recommend this. Uh, um, um, if you have access to the internet, which most people do, uh, you're welcome to go to calvarychapelparker.com, which is our website. Uh, Go to the Messages tab. 
uh, go to the New Testament pull-down menu and select Revelation Series 2, which is our most recent uh, verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. And uh, we cover it in depth, uh, several months' worth of, uh, of, of Sunday messages there uh, that you can watch or listen to through the book of, of Revelation. And we cover all of that start to finish. And uh, so if you feel like doing that, I think that that's something that, that would be very helpful for you. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You betcha. God bless you, my friend. And uh, 303-690-3000, folks, if you want to join us, uh, like Dalton on Calvary Live, let's go to Sky in Aurora. Sky, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. And it, it's funny, the gentleman that was just on it, it, my question, I think, kind of leads into that. Uh-huh. So, for the mercy seat, mm-hmm. judgment, you know, when you're saved, I know, you know, we are white as snow, and, and through Jesus, we our sin is, is seen no more. But my question is, when we are at the mercy seat, mm-hmm. what will be brought up? What What is it the Lord will bring up? Yeah, so of course you're referring to second uh, places like Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, where, where Paul writes, we must all appear before the judgment seat uh, of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And and what we've got to realize is, is that standing before God, we stand in the righteousness of Christ. We're, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God sees uh, not our sin, uh, but he sees us in, in light of the blood of Jesus Christ, which has washed away our sin. So when we appear before the judgment seat, which which the this judgment is not the great white throne judgment that takes place uh, after the millennial reign of Christ, but this is a judgment uh, for believers, and it is a judgment of rewards. Um, it is a judgment uh, where where we receive crowns, uh, where we receive uh, 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 rewards from the Lord for what we have done and for faithfulness. And uh, I think it was J. Vernon McGee, he uh, put it this way. He said, a lot of people are going to come into heaven smelling like smoke. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, a, a lot of what they've done in life is, is going to be consumed. It's going to be going to be burned up. But they themselves will get in uh, because we've been saved, as Ephesians said, by grace through faith. And then there are many others uh, that I know that when they appear before that judgment seat of Christ, uh, there are going to be heaps of crowns and and rewards upon them uh, because of their faithfulness to the Lord. It, it was put like this to me, uh, that that these rewards are a capacity, and, and an extra capacity uh, for, uh, for enjoyment in in uh, in heaven and in the kingdom of God. And that is the subject, not salvation, but reward. That is the subject of the judgment seat. And and, uh, it would seem as though there are those who are at the judgment seat. um, They haven't really been faithful with what they've been given, and there isn't much reward. Uh, But then there are those who who have been faithful with what God has called them to do and the gifts that he's given them, and there's going to be great reward for them. Thank you so much. That's... That was excellent. Yeah, you bet. And and it's a fascinating subject. It's important to understand because uh, we are not judged in terms of salvation based on our works, but in terms of reward, we are. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless you, Sky. Thanks for calling. Sure. Bye. Let's go to Jeff in, well, let's see. We got Jeff in Aurora. Looks like he, he doesn't want to be on the air. 
But uh, he's asking about the Nephilim. We talked about the Nephilim yesterday, so we'll reprise uh, a little bit of that discussion. Jeff wants to know about the Nephilim. Uh, are they evil? Uh, are they still around? Uh, well, it's a fascinating subject, the Nephilim. Of course, we're, uh, we're talking about these, these characters uh, that are introduced to us in Genesis, the sixth chapter of, of, uh, of Genesis. And uh, a lot of debate uh, about, uh, uh, about the Nephilim uh, and, and what exactly they were. Of course, the context of Genesis chapter 6 is the, the wickedness of man that ultimately uh, led up to the flood. And in Genesis 6-2, it talks about how the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And um, then the Lord says, my spirit won't strive with man. And then it says in verse 4, there were giants, Nephilim, on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. So so let's talk about uh, these these individuals, the uh, briefly the, the, the Nephilim. Uh, I would suggest to you one, one option that, that I would uh, dismiss, but that is often floated, is is that the sons of God are the descendants of Seth, that the daughters of men are the descendants of Cain. The idea is is that this was an ungodly human marriage that corrupted man, and uh, then there is what I believe in context the more plausible idea that the sons of God are fallen angels, the daughters of men are human women. The idea is an unnatural union between the physical and the spiritual realm. And this makes the most sense because then giants uh, are produced. By the way, the word Nephilim can be translated giants or fallen ones. And this seems to make the most sense. First of all, sons of God is an expression often used of angels and fallen angels. Job 1.6, Job 2.1. And in Second Peter 2 verses 4 and 5, uh, it, that passage reveals that God cast down the fallen angels and imprisoned some in a place uh, called Tartarus, and that is tied to the time of Noah and perhaps this. And then Jude in verses 6 and 7 of his single chapter there uh, follows this up by speaking of the incarceration and judgment of these fallen angels because of their immorality. Um, the only argument really against the idea of fallen angels uh, uh, producing or procreating with with human uh, women is, is that some people say, well, angels are incapable of sexual relations, but the Bible never says that. Uh, they, they cite Matthew 22.30, but in Matthew 22.30, Jesus only says that they're incapable, uh, that they don't, ma- not that they're incapable, but that they don't marry. He doesn't say anything about procreation. And so we see fallen angels often in the scriptures taking on uh, angels in general, taking on human form. Uh, we either in taking on human form or through possession uh, very easily could see uh, fallen angels doing this. And then uh, uh, there being this this uh, race of giants that is produced. Uh, whether or not the Nephilim are around today, I don't believe that they are. In other words, I don't believe that we, we see anywhere uh, amongst mankind today anything even close uh, to the Nephilim. And of course, this is preceding the flood, and so the Nephilim would have been wiped out uh, by the flood. So I hope that, uh, that that answers your question, Jeff. Interesting 
question and uh, and uh, interesting uh, topic, uh, you know, about uh, 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 this subject of, uh, of the Nephilim. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and uh, let's go to Andrea in Aurora. Hi. Andrea, welcome. Hi, uh, Pastor, what, Pastor who? Sorry, I missed. Oh, my name is Jason. Yep. Jason. Said Jason. Yeah. Jason. Pastor Jason. Well, first of all, I just have to say I'm super impressed on, on your tr- what you just said about the Nephilim. I, you use scripture, I, I feel like, correctly. And that's, yeah, that's, well, that's awesome. Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Well, I, it also explains why the flood came. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So the Nephilim is is kind of like the last straw, and you know, it, exactly. it, yeah, and 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 the verse right before that says, you know, God says, "Look, my spirit's not going to strive with man forever; his days will be a hundred and twenty years." God's saying, "Look, this is all the time you've got left." Right, and it said Noah was pure in his generations, and they right. were trying to destroy the seed. That yep. Caused- yeah, there's right. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's good stuff. I just appreciate appreciate that. <laughs> um, so my question was on you've been talking about revelation. Yep. And and I I am one. I'm also I'm on the fence. I've kind of I, I grew up being taught pre-trib, but I uh-huh. always just wasn't sure. Um, what what my question is: How are believers saved if the Holy Spirit is removed? Yeah. Because it says no one can no one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Also, when we're saved, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. how is anybody saved without the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's that's a, a misunderstanding. The Holy Spirit isn't isn't removed during the tribulation. The Holy Spirit is still active, but the restraining presence of the Holy Spirit in the church is what is removed. You know, Jesus says something very interesting. In in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about how the church is salt and light. And we know that there is a, a, a preserving influence, and it, and it doesn't come from us. It comes from the Holy Spirit working through us. I, I often tell people, look, you can you imagine what the world would be like without the church? As bad as the world is right. today, can can you imagine, you know, the conditions of the world today? If you didn't have the church, if you didn't have believers like you and and many of the other callers and and our listeners praying for people and people, uh, you, you know, praying uh, about certain situations. Can you imagine what kind of world this would be? And that's exactly the kind of world that it's going to be during the Great Tribulation period. But the Holy Spirit isn't gone. He's still actively, we see him actively working during the Great Tribulation period. You're, you're 100% right. But we no longer see that restraining influence of the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ that is the church and, and, and that preserving influence. And, and that's why literally all hell is going to break loose during the Great Tribulation period because that influence is, is removed. Okay. Okay, and then why does it say when Jesus in Matthew, I believe it's 23 or 24, uh-huh. he says, and, and after the tribulation of those days, right. then you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Right. So basically what you've got to realize is he's talking about two different things. So the rapture needs to be distinguished uh, from, and, and, and I'll give you a few things, but there's kind of a whole litany of things that distinguish the rapture from the second coming of Christ. So, um, so Jesus... Comes- 
yes, once in the air and once he sets foot on the earth. And that's one of the key distinctions. Um, Matthew 24, Jesus talks actually in Matthew 24 and 25, he talks about both. And uh, if you look there, you can tell. For example, uh, we know that uh, no man, he says, knows the day or the hour. But very clearly in Revelation, we see that the tribulation period is laid out for us as seven years. It's also given to us in days, and the last three and a half years of wrath is laid out. So from the abomination that makes desolate in the middle of the Great Tribulation until the end of the Great Tribulation and the second coming, you can know that because you can count it by the number of days. It's very clearly spelled out. So every man knows the day or the hour of that. And it says, Zechariah tells us that he'll return and he'll set foot on the mountain Mount of Olives and it'll split in two from east to west right. and there'll be this judgment, the valley of Jehoshaphat and so forth. So so he sets foot on the earth. He returns to the earth just as, as the angels told the disciples in Acts when he ascended, this Jesus who you see going up into heaven will return in like manner to the same exact place. But when you look in First Thessalonians 4, the rapture of the church, we meet him in the air. When you look in, in, in oh, Revelation, yeah, when I, you look in... Yeah, and when you look in Revelation, you see him returning. He's returning with the armies of heaven and, and with believers. Oh. So in one, we're taken up with him. The other, we, we return back with him. That's why I tell people, uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, I say, but if, if the rapture is at the end of the Great Tribulation, it's going to be like an elevator ride because you're going to go up and then you're going to come right back with him. So so there's wow. a lot of a lot of this things. Is good. Yeah. I really really hope you're right. <laughs> well, this, this helps yeah. answer some stuff cuz I've been uh pre-rat post, you know, like kind of yeah. like mid-trip pre-rat. Yeah, of course there's a book, great book written Many years ago, Marv Rosenthal pre-wrath rapture uh, was kind okay. of one of one of the famous books on a mid-trib rapture, which is, of course, the mid-trib rapture is the least common, probably view. I would say most people are either pre-trib or post-trib, uh, but there are a right. few out there What's that are that now? are. Yeah, there are a few out there that are mid-trib or you know pre-wrath rapture, and they they therefore would say well the tribu- or the rapture takes place in the middle of the tribulation prior to the unfolding of wrath. Um, you know, I I I I think a key to understanding the uh, the rapture of the church is first. Um, I, I would encourage you after this conversation to go take a look at Second mm-hmm. Thessalonians, take a look again at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we see okay. that a, a, a key to the unveiling of the Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation is the removal of the restrainer, uh-huh. which is what we talked about earlier. So, okay. so for those things to unfold, it, it, it really seems to need to take place before the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Uh-huh. But very clearly, uh, an important key to understanding the rapture of the church as it relates to the Great Tribulation period is to understand that the the the, the tribulation, Revelation six seventeen, is the outpouring of God's wrath. It's not the testing of believers. It's the outpouring of God's oh. wrath upon unbelievers, and therefore, uh, God, First uh, Thessalonians five has not appointed us uh, to wrath, just as he, right. as you mentioned earlier, he didn't appoint Noah to wrath. Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, uh, there's a... Do you think a, we might face... Do you think we might face... Say, say one... You, you, you distorted a little bit there. What did you say? Do you think we might face... Oh, this is unfortunate. I can't... Um, try, try it one more time if you can hear me. Um, uh, oh. Yep, there we go. I yeah, got you. I said, do you think we might face testing... 
Oh, sh- all that happened. Oh, yes. I, I think I think we certainly are now, and 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 that's what I would say is is that we need yeah. to distinguish between the purifying of the church, between mm. testing of believers, and and between the outpouring of 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 God's wrath upon unbelievers during the great tribulation period. I think I, I, we already are, and in certain parts of the world, they're enduring great testing right now. Um, Sudan and and uh, believers in I just read an interesting article today about um, persecution of believers in Indonesia and so uh, the things that they're enduring because of Sharia law in certain parts of Indonesia so so definitely hey Andrea uh, uh, did do I have you there still yeah I think it's breaking up too bad but you answered my question thank you so much Pastor. hey thanks for calling Andrea God bless you and do we, uh, let's see, do we have Luke in Firestone? Yes, yes, sir, Luke? I'm here. Yeah, welcome, Luke. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, what's on your mind? Uh, more tribulation questions. Sure, the that's... The judgment of the sheep and the goats, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, will yep. the church be a part of that, or is that just the tribulation saints coming out of the tribulation? That's just the tribulation saints who survived the tribulation. So, of course, there's two, there's two categories of, of tribulation saints. Um, the first category would be the martyrs. The second category uh, would be whom you describe. Those uh, tribulation saints and tribulation unbelievers will find themselves, who survive, uh, survi- uh, survivors will find themselves at the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Uh, the goats going to await the final great white throne judgment at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. The sheep going on to inhabit uh, the millennial reign of Christ. Ultimately, at some point, to to die during the millennium. Uh, and uh, although life is much preserved and conditions are much different during the millennial reign of Christ, and uh, and but ultimately uh, they too even will die and, and will enter into uh, the eternal state, and uh, but the unbelievers going to await along with others who are unbelievers during the millennium uh, and unbelievers of the past, the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate uh, the question. A lot of interesting, but it, it's allowed us uh, a uh, uh, a lot of time to talk about a lot of different aspects uh, of uh, of the end times. Uh, another text question here that says, uh, "Is smoking a sin?" I think that there are principles that that apply to smoking. Um, first off. The Bible commands us not to allow our bodies to become mastered by anything. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve: uh, Everything, all things are lawful; not all things are profitable. I, I won't be brought into the power or mastered by uh, by anything. And so, um, smoking is is undeniably uh, uh, addictive. And uh, what's interesting, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're, we're told that, uh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In uh, verses 19 and continuing into verse 20. And so uh, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there are a couple of things to consider with smoking. Number one, it's addictive. Number two, we're not honoring the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when we're destroying that body. And, and obviously smoking, if you do it long enough, is, is going to harm you and eventually is going to kill you or cut your life short. So I would say that from that perspective, 
perspective, um, smoking is a sin. It's 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 a problem. It's something that you can become addictive to, and and addictions uh, are sins. It's something that destroys the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you are, and that you're not your own. You're a steward uh, of what God has given you. And my perspective is, if God takes me early, then He takes me early. But I don't want to do anything that shortens uh, my time here and my ability to preach the gospel and to love and to take care of my family and others and to worship the Lord. I don't want to do anything uh, to dishonor the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, which uh, I am and which every believer is. And so uh, a lot of people argue, you know, against that. They say, well, people eat unhealthy foods. Well, I would say that if you have an addiction to eating certain foods and you're destroying your body, then the same principles uh, apply. So I don't really see that as an argument for smoking. And other people sometimes argue that, you know, well, people like Spurgeon smoke cigars. And while Spurgeon, I really like Spurgeon, my example is Jesus Christ, not Charles Spurgeon. So hopefully that uh, helps you out. First Corinthians chapter 6, great place to go. And and if God is uh, speaking to you uh, about smoking and, you know, calling you to give that up, if you're asking the question, uh, I'm imagining that there's a reason uh, that you're asking the question. And the Bible tells us that, uh, that if, uh, uh, you know, if there's something that is sin to us, uh, that it's sin. It may not be sin to other people, uh, but if our conscience and the Holy Spirit is is working in our lives, such as uh, uh, to to cause us to to realize that that something's sin for us, uh, then it's sin. And, and and I suspect that the person asking this question uh, is is you know being prompted by the Holy Spirit perhaps to to give something up and to to go on to what is better. Hey, we're out of time uh, for today. Calvary Live will be back tomorrow. Put this number in your phone, 303-690-3000. Give us a call. Appreciate all of our listeners in the Northeast uh, praying for you and the weather that's uh, upon you, all our folks in Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, and of course in Colorado and Wyoming Front Range. God bless you guys. Thanks for being with us. and. Have a great night. It's been a pleasure to be with you on Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you. Take care. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.